Adelaide Pollard wanted more than anything to go to Africa and to be a missionary. She was born in 1862, the daughter of a Presbyterian minister. And at the age of 40, she was determined that she was going to follow in the evangelistic footsteps of her father and go to Africa to teach little children about Jesus and about the Bible. Now, as uh, noble uh, as her intentions were, uh, Adelaide Pollard was never quite able to raise the financial support that she needed in order to be able to travel halfway across the globe and go to Africa and to do that. And after some time of trying and trying and trying to raise those funds, she finally realized that it wasn't going to happen, and she was greatly disappointed. In fact, she was heartbroken. She was living in New England at the time, though, and she was attending some prayer meetings that several other ladies in the congregation that she was a part of, some prayer meetings that they were uh, involved in. And one night she was at one of these prayer meetings, and at the conclusion of the service there was an elderly woman who, who prayed, and she concluded her prayer with these words. She said, it's all right, Lord. It doesn't matter what you bring into our lives. Just have your own way with us. That prayer, at least that part of that prayer, really resonated with Adelaide Potter, Pollard. Because what she had wanted to do with her life in going to Africa was evidently, at least in her mind, not what God wanted her to do with her life. And so the words of that prayer, Lord, just, just have your way with us. Those words just stuck in her mind, just was in there like a, like, like a, like a bug, just wasn't going to come out. And those thoughts then prompted her to think about some things that she had been contemplating and to then put those ideas and put those words onto paper. In fact, those words were really a prayer that was stylized in the form of a poem that would later then be set to music, which would become the hymn that we know today, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. If you'd like to open up your songbooks to song number 146, it's the song that we're going to be looking at and we'll be singing here in just a few moments. 146 in our songbook contains three of the four original stanzas that are contained in Mrs. Pollard's hymn. And that hymn was written in 1902 and it continues to be sung today more than a century later. Now, our hymnal includes a verse citation. You might notice it right there under the title. It includes a Bible citation from Isaiah the 64th chapter, and that seems like a very appropriate verse to include, especially once you read the words of this song. But that's actually not the passage that Adelaide Pollard Pollard had in mind whenever she first wrote this song. She actually had some journals where she wrote some of her thoughts and things that she was thinking about when she wrote this song and other songs. And in those journals, she indicated that Jeremiah the 18th chapter is actually what served really as kind of the biblical backbone for this song. Jeremiah chapter 18 is the illustration of the potter and the clay. There the prophet of the Lord says this in the first six verses. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So Jeremiah says, I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. It was was messed up. And so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Here's the point of that illustration. He said, can I not do with you, O Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? 
Like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand. Adelaide Potter had made a connect... I keep saying Potter. It's Pollard. Potter and Pollard. This was just the wrong night to try to do this particular hymn study. Adelaide Pollard had made a connection between the words of that prayer that she had heard, Lord, just have your way with us, and these words that God spoke long ago to Jeremiah and the words that God spoke about having His way with the Israelite people. And the imagery that the Lord uses in all of that is an image and an illustration that really is, I think, is as as powerful today as it would have been back in Jeremiah's day. And that is a potter demonstrating control over the lump of clay. Now, whereas Israel, if you were to read Jeremiah 18 or any chapter really in Jeremiah, what you would find is that Israel was being stubborn and they were rebellious and they were unwilling to submit themselves to God's lead and to God's control. And that's really quite a contrast to what this hymn calls for. Because this hymn is a prayer calling for complete submission and surrender to the will of God, to the will of the divine potter in heaven. And there are, as you look at this particular song, I believe there are three specific requests that this song makes. And really the challenge for us, and i got to tell you, I, I think this song it challenges me a lot. The way that it's written, and to think about singing these words, this song challenges us to be able to sing and to say those exact same words, and not just to sing it, but to mean it. To mean what we are saying. So look at the first verse, verse 1. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. This first verse, if we could just sum it down into just three little words, this verse is crying out and saying, Lord, mold me. That's what I, that's my request. That's what I'm asking you to do. Mold me. Now, I would imagine that most of our kids here would recognize this little yellow canister or one like it. In fact, even if you're not even close enough to make out the words on it, when kids see that little yellow can, they know what's inside. What's inside is really the closest thing that you can get at the dollar store that would be somewhat similar to clay that you can get at least for on the cheap. And that, of course, is it's, it's Play-Doh. And kids know all about Play-Doh. In fact, at a very early age, kids learn about Play-Doh and figure out how this little toy, if you will, how exactly it works. Play-Doh, you just take this squishy, stretchy lump of dough, if you will, and you then bend it, and you twist it, and you pull it, and you stretch it, and you push it, and you tear it apart, and you slam it back together, and you do this with your hands, and then you're able to, well, you're able to mold that into whatever your imagination can come up with. Maybe I want to mold that into, make that look like a dog. Oh, look at there. Look at mom. Look, I made a dog. Or maybe we're going to roll that into a ball and we're going to turn that into a face. Going to put some eyeballs on there and a little mouth. And look, mom, I, I, I made a smiley face. Or maybe we're going to roll it up like this and, oh, it's a corn on the cob. I'm going to start eating this thing. Whatever it is. And we understand about that, that you have the power to mold that clay. Now, of course, if that clay, if it gets, if it gets stiff, maybe the little ones don't put it back in the can and don't put the lid back on it. It gets left out overnight and it's left exposed to just kind of the open air for a long period of time. Well, what happens to it? What happens is it ends up drying out. 
And it hardens and it stiffens and it's, it's not moldable anymore, is it? And that, of course, is when mom and dad have to come along and they have to take that can and pitch it in the trash because it's not really good for anything anymore. In fact, I despise this stuff. Hattie lets it sit out and harden and gets all over the floor and makes crumbs. She ain't touching that. And unfortunately, when you think about that, when you think about that clay hardening and it's, it's no longer moldable anymore, unfortunately, that's how human beings often are in relation to God. Because oftentimes we... We, we just we stiffen up. We, we become hard in our hearts. We just become unwilling to let God mold us into something that's good, something that's beautiful, something that would be useful in His service. What happens all too often is we think that we know what's best. I've got a better way of doing this. Yeah, I see what God says in His book, but here's the way that I want to do it, when instead what we need to do is we need to then just yield ourselves, allow ourselves to just be still, and yield ourselves to the one who truly does know what's best. And that is what God's looking for. He's looking for people who are moldable, people who are pliable, people who are willing subjects that He can just go to work on, and He can then transform us with His skilled hands. In fact, have you ever, have you ever watched a potter do what they do? I, I could sit and watch a potter do this kind of thing just all day long. I just think it's fascinating. Especially when it's somebody who really knows what they're doing with such skill. And they have a vision that they're able to take just a big useless lump of clay that I wouldn't think could, anything could be done with that. But they see the possibilities with it. And they're able to take that useless lump of clay and do with their hands and mold that into something that's really just extraordinary. And that's what God does. God's just so good at that. With mastery and with precision, He is able to transform us. And what is He trying to transform us into? He's trying to transform us after the image of His Son from one degree of glory to another, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. God wants to make us more and more like Jesus every day. The truth is, when you're dealing with pottery and that kind of stuff, eventually the guy gets done and he has a finished product and that's what it is. But the difference here with God is that God God never stops molding us. We're always being molded more and more and more after the image of His Son. Trying to reach that perfection that Jesus exhibited, but that's only happening whenever we allow God to mold us. And that's what verse 1 is praying for. Lord, mold me. In verse 2, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence, humbly I bow. I believe what this second verse is calling out for is, Lord, forgive me. That's really the idea here when you read there about search me and try me. Lord, search within me and see within my depths if there is sin in my life. Lord, look deeply into my heart. Maybe there's some sin that I'm hiding and harboring in there. Lord, help me to root that out so that I can be forgiven and I can be right in your eyes. David prayed that very thing in Psalm 139. And then even those words about wash me and make me whiter than snow, once again, those are things David prayed for in Psalm the 51st chapter. He prayed, Lord, forgive me, Lord. I I can't stand the thought of going another day with this sin in my life. Help wash it and get it out of my life. You know, when you think about the potter, when he gets done making that vase or that bowl, or that dish, or whatever he's trying to make on his will, 
What he's usually going to do at the end of that process is he's going to try to clean that thing up. He's going to clean it up before he sells it or before he you know, puts it to use for himself. He's going to take the time to wipe off any blemishes there might be. He's going to rinse out the inside, especially if it's like a cup or a vase that he's going to be eating or drinking out of. He's going to try to clear away all of the imperfections so that that vessel can be as pure and as clean as it possibly can. Our gracious God affords us the opportunity to be made pure and to be made clean spiritually. Whenever we have a humble and a contrite heart that recognizes, Lord, I am a sinner and I can't get cleansed of this sin except by coming to you when we're willing to be molded and we're then willing to be washed, to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then those sins can be taken away. And as 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, Christ's blood actually continues to cleanse us from all unrighteousness whenever we seek Him in humility, confessing our sins, seeking His face in prayer. This verse is calling for, Lord, forgive me. And in the third verse... Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only. Always. I want to notice that there's a comma between only and always. When we sing it, it doesn't always sound that like that. But there's two ideas there. Christ only. You need people to just see Christ. And then always. I want people to always see Christ living in me. I believe what this final stanza is asking for is this is a prayer that says, Lord, use me. I I want to be of use for you. You've molded me. You've washed me. You've forgiven me. You've made me into something now. Lord, I I want to be put to use. I don't want to just be put up on the shelf. No, Lord. Get me in the game. Put me to work in your kingdom. Lead me to some soul. Help me to be an encourager to somebody. Help me to do something that I am useful. I don't want to be that vase that just sits there taking up space, not doing anything. No. I want there to be a use for my life. You know, when the potter, when he gets done making that big, nice vase, he wants somebody to use it. Whether that's to hold some beautiful flowers or some other kind of function that it may serve, he wants it to be useful. In this particular sense, the Lord wants us to be useful. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, Paul says what we're striving to be is we're striving to be a vessel for honorable use. A vessel that has been set apart, useful to the Master, ready for every good work. That's the attitude that all of us... uh, This morning, Luke concluded the final song this morning was, I want to be a worker for the Lord. If we sang that and meant that, then this is what we were saying. Lord, I want to be used. I want to be a worker for you. I I want to be a valuable asset in your kingdom to help expand the kingdom and bring more and more people into it. Now here's the question as you look at all three of those things. And again, really this song is a prayer. We're going to sing it as a song. But the words, you could just go home tonight and you could sit down quietly and you could talk to the Lord and just say those exact same words in a prayer. Here's the question. Can you sing those words tonight and mean it? Lord, I want to be molded. I, 
I want to be open to be, if there's changes that need to be made in my life, Lord, I, I want to be ready to make those changes. And Lord, I definitely want to be forgiven. I don't be, want to be walking around harboring sin and wickedness and impurity in my life. And then maybe the most difficult one of all, that third one, Lord, use me. Use me. I heard it said long ago by someone older and wiser than me. If you don't mean it, you better not say it. And we understand how that works sometimes, maybe when we're talking to our parents. You know, if you don't mean what you say, you probably you shouldn't even say it. Or maybe if you're standing in front of a judge in a court of law, if you don't mean what you're going to say, you better not say it. And much more so, when we're here this evening, we're in the presence of God, and we're about to open up our mouths, and we're about to let words come out of it. You better not say it if you don't mean it. But if you do mean it, And if it is your sincere desire to be molded by God, to be forgiven by God, to then be used by God, then let's sing this song with all of the fervor and the energy and the passion that we can so that we can be molded by the potter. We're going to sing this song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And it is an opportunity for anybody who needs to be molded by the potter. Maybe it is that you need forgiveness of your sins because you've never been baptized in water. You've never had those sins washed away. You can do that tonight. You can submit yourself to the Lord. You can render your obedience to Him this very hour. It may be, brother or sister, that there's sin that's crept back into your life. You need that sin washed away again. You can repent. There's time. There's opportunity to do that. And if we can pray with you and help you and maybe even maybe hold you accountable to make that repentance stick, then we stand ready to assist you as well. Whatever your need may be, let's sing this song. And if there's changes that need to be made, let's be ready to act upon them. Let's do that right now while we stand and while we sing.